Welcome, everyone, to a new week of Beckham's Basement. My co-host, Nick, and I are coming to you from the basement. Nick, how are you doing this week, sir? Doing great. Doing great, Mr. Critty. Ready for this uh, international break? Get us, get us what, a week, week and a half of some international duty in, and then back to clubs we go. Indeed. Uh, so I am back from the desert. I am back from Indio, California, and the uh, Power Trip Festival 2023. I saw some amazing uh, music last weekend. Metallica, Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, and of course, uh, yeah, some band called Tool. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that. But I will say it's uh, it was an endurance it was a, a a true act of endurance to uh, go from, and I don't have a better appreciation when you talk about sports teams going from the East Coast to the West Coast, and they have to adjust to that time differential of three hours. That's just brutal, man. Like I was up for twenty four hours straight the first night, and I went right from the air airport in Charleston at six in the morning to Iron Maiden that night in the desert, and uh, ended up getting back. Man, it was to the to the resort. It, it was like. 5.30 in the morning, uh, East Coast time, so 2.30 Cali time, and just face-planted into bed. And it's just – but the music was well worth it. But I will say one funny thing. It is so – you know, I was I was a baby when Guns N' Roses and Metallica and all these bands started. So they basically – they've been around pretty much for my lifetime in terms of when they started. But some of these fans were, you know, 20 years old, 18 years old in oh, yeah. 1981. And it is so funny seeing these beer gutted, fat, gray haired, long haired, hippie looking metalheads. Well, they're actually not. They don't look hippie at all. But like you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. They're 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 in. The, they're still in the tight jeans. They're wearing the leather vests. But man, they just hey, more power to you, brother. But my God, you don't look like. I mean. It just it's just hilarious. And so when they say the metalheads, man, I do not consider myself one of the metalheads. I love the music, but I mean my friend, so Zach and I who went out there, we were by I guess you could say considering the crowd, we were the most oddly dressed people there. But if you look at the real world, we were the most normal dressed people there. So oh, yeah. and it was just it, it was so funny to look around. These guys probably, you know, weighed a buck sixty when Metallica first came out, now they weigh like 280 and there's, and it's just, it, it's, it's, it was so funny. It's so funny. Like you got a bunch of 60, 65 year olds out there just tripping on shrooms. And I mean, it's an experience, man. Um, but yes, I survived the desert and we're back to talk uh, a little footy uh, is what we're about to do. And a lot has happened, Nick, since the last time, we recorded on this show. Uh, episode one, of course, was uh, what nine days ago, I think. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so since then, we've had some Champions League, and we'll just jump into that real quick uh, before we get into the international stuff because yeah. we had the international break. I know that you and I wanted to talk about the uh, format of the 2026 World Cup and also the 2030 World Cup because a lot's changing mm-hmm. when the USA and Mexico and Canada host, and there's going to be a lot changing even more in terms yeah. of direct qualifications for 2030. But uh, just a quick recap, you and I were talking about the Champions League, and there weren't a lot of big results coming out of this past uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. But a couple things that stood out is that uh, Lens, as we talked about, being as 
where they are at in the table in France. They took a 2-1 win over Arsenal. Uh, Real Madrid had the 3-2. That was the, um, the, the you know, that was the goal, the goal-loaded match of the, of the, uh, of Group C was 3-2 Real Madrid over Napoli. Mm-hmm. But the big surprise, really the biggest surprise, I would say, came in Group A, where Mauro Riccardi's Galatasaray out of Turkey defeated Man United, who are just in a complete tailspin right now. They cannot seem to find a break. And while we ran, we we ran over United with a car the last time we were on this on this podcast. And but I would say that's that's due to their own that's due to their own oh, performance yeah. on the pitch. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about this match. Uh, Old Trafford seems like it's a pretty good setup for United to get some points here in the Champions League, and instead, the dagger is actually Mario Icardi himself. In the 81st minute, he puts Galatasaray ahead to stay three to two. Yeah, um, you and I both have a very fond memories of Icardi at Inter, and we both have an appreciation for his talents. There was also, of course, a red card for United, so they were down to 10 men. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly, Casemiro. So talk a little bit about this match. Um, Galatasaray went right into England, took three points off of the Red Devils, and, um, yeah, Icardi was the one that that put the final nail in the coffin. Uh, We're... Where does this? Where do you think this leaves United as far as Champions League? You've seen them play two matches. Yeah. What? Uh, what? Uh, what? What about this match had you impressed? Well, I mean, uh, I it was nice seeing Rasmus Holland, their their uh, striker, they got from Atalanta from uh, for what like eighty mil. He scored the first goal, yeah. and uh, and it seemed like uh, the Red Devils would cruise to a victory here, but. I'm telling you, man, this uh, this 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 goalkeeper Onana was a just complete disaster for this this team for this match. I mean, the whole reason they lost this game is basically you can blame it on him. I mean, it he passed the ball out. So he was trying to get it to Casemiro. He ended up passing it straight to Galatasaray's uh, center forward, not a Cardi. I, I can't really, I don't remember his name exactly, but he passes it to the wrong guy, to the wrong guy. Casemiro has no choice, but to come back and do a tackle to stop the goal scoring opportunity. Of course he gets a red that gives a Cardi the penalty. A Cardi misses the penalty, breaks my heart on the spot, but not five minutes, maybe five minutes later, a Cardi gets the, uh, the chance to, uh, to go up and he scores the goal uh, to put them up to uh, redeem himself from the missed penalty. And man, I'm telling you, Pete, United fans were mad at Onana. They dropped what 80 mil, I think also, or 40 million on Onana. Not quite. I know somewhere in between there and the guy has already it was, cost them. I think it was 50. They paid to enter for him. And I wanted to say yeah. this while you're, while you're talking, I'm going to let you keep going, but while you're talking about Onana, I wanted to tell you that it was uh, Steve Bates, uh, who's a reporter uh, at Old Trafford said after that match, Onana can be the best in the world is what Ten Hag said. That's what reported by Steve Bates. So Steve Bates is not saying this. I'm, I'm saying that Ten Hag said this. Yeah. And the tele and he so Steve Bates reported that another difficult night for the United goalkeeper as he settles into new life at Old Trafford. Now let's let's focus on him because 
we talked about David De Gea and him being the Spanish goalkeeper number one. He always seemingly played so much better for Spain than than for United, but it also helps that when you have the back four led by Sergio Ramos in, a, in his prime for all those years, it, it, it's much easier. Now, United has had a, a really, uh, I'll say, average at best back four for, for years, but really susceptible to, to leaking goals over the past five to ten years, especially the last five, and especially since they acquired Harry Maguire for uh, an enormous amount of money that they shouldn't have spent. So here's another keeper yeah. that they, they spent money on. De Gea is out of the picture. Uh, uh, Onana comes in fresh off of a Champions League final. Now, why would Inter let someone who just played for them, started for them in a Champions League final go like that? I mean, if there's – literally, I mean, you know, there's no fight by Inter to keep him. They're like, you know, okay, United wants to pay us the 50, then we'll take it. They easily replace him. Inter's sitting in second place right now, two points back of Milan – in Serie A, they are two for two in their two Champions League matches, I believe. I know they won yeah. one nil against Benfica this past week. So, wh- what do you make of Onana? I just, I, I, he just, he's looking terrible, man. He can't. It's supposed to say he could play out from the back, but it's looking like he just can't, man. He's making these erratic passes out from the back to, to the one he made to Mertens, made um, Dries. The old Napoli player, Casemiro saw red and had no choice but to tackle him to stop the goal. I mean, and it worked because Accardi missed the penalty, but Onana just, he, I just don't think he's it, man. I, I just do not think he's it. And I will say, kind of to piggyback on the Galatasaray match, I mean, this was their first Champions League win in almost uh, like seven or six, seven years. Off of that, they actually. We're down one nothing with no time left, and McTominay scored two to take them up on Brentford. But the Brentford goal was also Onana's fault. I mean, this guy is just letting in goals nonstop, and we can we can bring up the back four and talk about how crap that is. I mean, you do have Varane and Martinez is hurt, but just De Gea was just such a good shot stopper. Of course, he couldn't play out the back the best. I mean, he needed to just boot the ball out is what he needed to do. Right, but. You can stop shots, man, and the, and Onana just can't do it. I mean, no matter where you kick it, it looks like it just goes in past Onana. The guy, the guy's looking terrible. So let's look at Group A, and I will say this. So tell me, who was it that told you when we talked about this? I don't know last month when the uh, the, the the groups were drawn. Who was it that told you that Galatasaray would sneak in and finish second? Yeah, no, I, I dude, I, at you, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I told you, I, I said United would finish third and go right back to the Europa League. You know, after two match days, we're sitting on six points for Bayern, four for Galatasaray, one for Copenhagen, and zero for Man United. So they have four matches to make up this points. So they can, but now they have to go two. It's the second match is in Turkey, right? So it's going to be this was yeah. this was at Old Trafford, right? So, so they have to go to Istanbul. Um, yeah, they will have to play Bayern again, which should be zero points. Yep. So they, they're basically yep. looking at trying to probably at best get a draw in Turkey and then two wins over Copenhagen. So that's seven points right there. That ain't going to do it. No. No, not with four and six in your first and second place. I mean, you Galatasaray wins one, two more, and you can wrap that. You can wrap that up. I don't see United going to 
they they might get a Europa spot. I mean, dude, they just they just look so bad. That back, it, it's like it, no matter how many they score, they just leak in more. I, I mean, I, regardless of the last, uh, yeah, I know we didn't talk about the the domestic league result. Regardless of that, they just can't seem to stop goals from going in. Onana just lets lets these easy shots go past, and I mean, it's it's actually quite ridiculous. I feel for these United people because they spent fifty mil on a guy who really can't stop much of anything. Right. And the other English team I wanted to talk about that obviously, and I'll say this, they, they choked in the champions league. They played a uh, lens who are not performing too well this, this year so far domestically. They Arsenal had the easiest group you could possibly draw up. And we said, you know, they are surefire first place. In the, in the group of 16, no problem. They're in second place right now. They still have three points, but they they this is a match they should have won. Then this weekend, they finally get the monkey off their back. Super sub, Martinelli comes in, 86th minute. They down the defending uh, Premier League champions, Manchester City, 1-0. They, as I said, they, they finally got that monkey off their back. They were able to get past City. They're ahead of them in the table. They're right there on 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 the on the cusp of being in first place, all by their lonesome. And right before that, though, they lose to Lens in the Champions League. I mean, th- this was a, this is a prime opportunity for them to have, as I said, the easiest path to the knockout stage as possible. And they completely they completely whiffed it. Yeah, they're asking they're asking to to make it difficult. That's all they're that's all they're doing. You. I mean, you looked at their group and you're like, man, this sounds like a Europa League group. PSV and Sevilla and Lunds. It's just, it's like, man, this this couldn't get no easier. And here it is. You got one team with four, one with three, one with two, and one with one. Right. And it's close race, man. Yeah. So then I was wrong. Uh, Inter actually drew their, so they're undefeated, but they drew the first match. They're, they're, they're uh, yeah. equal, their level on points with Sociedad at four. <laughs> Salzburg's yeah. got three and Benfica's got zero. Um, the other, only other match that's kind of standing out right now is um, Newcastle. Newcastle took care of business against PSG. PSG <laughs> finds themselves looking up to Newcastle United, the Champions League newcomer. So, what were your what are your thoughts about Newcastle? You and I have talked about this group. I told you that I saw Dortmund in last place. Right now, that's exactly where they find themselves. And I told yeah. you that it would not surprise me if Newcastle won the group. And yes. I heard all the Newcastle supporters that I know, which is exactly one. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he was worried about, oh, the you know, it, it's 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 the group of death and all this stuff. And I said, look, you know, it's the group of death, but you play Newcastle plays in the best league in the world. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's it's. It's easy for them, easier for them to 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 get up for a competition when the worst team that you're going to play, this is not, I mean, this is an anomaly, right? Like Luton Town, but the worst team that you're typically going to play in, in, in the Premier League is like Nottingham Forest or Burnley or something like that. And that's still pretty good. That's still better than playing Darmstadt or playing, you know, uh, uh, let's see who else is down there, uh, Cologne this year for Dortmund. So yeah. I just said that it wouldn't surprise me if Newcastle was in the driver's seat and so far they are. So what do you, what are your takeaways from Newcastle and PSG? I mean, I just was shocked at the four to one scoreline. I mean, the game was, 
I mean, PSG dominated the possession, but I mean, I actually watched the second half of this and, and it was just it, the, the shots on goal for Newcastle were just so, so much, much more, uh, just much more clinical, man. Almiron had him a nice, uh, first goal to open it up from Isaac and then Byrne and Longstaff scored. I mean, I just, I was definitely surprised, man. I, I thought PSG could at least keep it close, maybe win or draw, but man, they got played out the park. I mean, they they didn't even they didn't even show up. I mean, they they were lucky to get the one goal from Hernandez, and once once they got that goal, I mean, they just couldn't break through. They held the ball, they held the possession, and Mbappe and and the newcomer um, uh, Colo or from. Uh, from good old Frankfurt, they couldn't they couldn't break through, man. It was it was actually kind of sad to sad to see. I think they're missing some variety. They they need they need some more more play in that midfield. And and you know Verratti has since gone to Qatar, so so they're they're definitely missing him. And PSG is just right now they're they're lost in the Champions League. It, it's going to be probably another bust. I mean, you you predicted. Uh, Newcastle first, if I'm not mistaken, and then PSG, and it's looking that way because Milan yeah. and BVB, yeah, M- Milan and BVB haven't even scored a goal in Champions League yet. Um, that's very sad. In two games, no goals, and BVB's let in two, and Milan is is has had some zero zeros. So I'm it's looking you, man. like like this is the thing about Dortmund. Dortmund just wants to be there. They're the, they're the kid at the birthday party that's just glad they got invited. Yeah. They're sitting yeah. there with their little dunce cap on. I mean, their party hat on, and they they they're the recipients of like the uh, the, the the feel good award, you know? Award. Yeah, participation yeah, yeah. award. Dortmund. Yeah, thank you. In the last since Klopp left, they're the biggest chokers in Germany. They cannot get out of their own way. They sell their best players. They reinvest. I mean. I'll, Barely. I don't want to say wisely because they've definitely blown yeah. on a couple. They've 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 missed hard on a lot of um, transfers. But then the ones the transfers they do get, they you know like like let's start with like Usman Dembélé for example. Like stays for one season. I understand that it's not his it's not his his objective to like finish his career out at Dortmund. But like yeah, you got to keep someone like that for longer than a season. Anyways, I'm yeah. not going to go into the politics and the behind scenes. I'm Dortmund fans are going to be like, "Oh, you don't know he went forced his way to Barcelona. It's his dream." Like, yeah, and uh, <laughs> it didn't work out for Barca. It didn't work out for Dembélé, but it likewise didn't work out for Dortmund because you can't tell me the player that they replaced him with was better than him. He was basically, yeah. I think he was 19 or 20 at the time, and I yeah. know that him and Obama Yang basically were like done with Thomas Tuchel, so they were like, you know, yeah. screw this. Yeah, just didn't still, you get someone like that, like a Erling Holland, you get him for three years, right? And that's that's the that's the duration of time you keep them. Same thing, you know, the guy that that Klopp generation, like all of them stayed for at least three seasons, like Lewandowski, Mario Götze, um, to, uh, um, uh, Hummels, Mats Hummels, uh, those guys, right? Some stayed forever, like you know, at he was after Klopp, but Marco Royce. Came in, Royce. or not after Klopp, but he was after the the Bundesliga title winning seasons. But he came in yeah. from Gladbach. He stayed as he stayed in, obviously he's still there right now. And then you have players That's like cool. Lucas Piszczek that were there for the duration. But I mean, they're just they're just Dortmund are just like a lost ball in high weeds when it comes to 
clutch <laughs> situation. Seeing them in the group of death, like they needed Arsenal's group in order to advance. Big time. I agree with you there. Yeah, because there's they, they don't stand a chance in this group. I'm a little surprised I mean, by Milan's performance. Yo, me too. I know, man. That that's another thing. Milan isn't even playing up to this, man. They're I mean, it's just terrible. I mean, the 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 group is literally two teams performing, and that's it. Right. Well, don't don't look for much out of Dortmund. I mean, just I, I would no. say it's already like you know two match days in. You got nothing to show for it, and Zero. I just think that they're going to be very lucky to even finish in third to continue their European campaign past Christmas. Yeah, I don't even see that. They can't even beat Milan, let alone PSG or fuck or um, Newcastle. You know, right. they, other teams are chomping at the bit to go play BVB. Can't wait. I think that's the next matchup is Newcastle, right? Yeah. Well, that's going to yeah. tell. That's going to tell the tale right there. That's going to be that if if they can't oh, if yeah. they can't get three points there, then they're they're done. Yeah, it's done. Zero points after three matches. Yeah, you're you can almost especially in that group you you can pack. Pack up unless you win your last four or whatnot, and which they just can't do. They're not capable of that. So shifting focus a little bit, let's look at this. Um, we have we're in the international break now, and the international break comes with some European Championship qualifiers. There's a couple of them that come to mind that are of particular interest. Let's talk about. Spain and Norway are coming up in the next week. Spain sits right now in second place. They're two points ahead of Norway. But as we call, pointed out, Holland's got a chance here. Yeah. Holland's got a chance here, right? It's riding on his shoulders, obviously. Yeah. But if he's going to make any type of move internationally, especially, you know, in, in this particular European championship window, it's got to come in this international break. What do you What do you look at? In terms of Norway's chances against Spain, Scotland's sitting top of the group. They seem very safe right now. They still have to play Spain, but Norway are the ones that are that are playing catch up. Yeah, I mean, we get we actually get Spain and Scotland tomorrow. That's right. Speak pitch two forty five and and yeah, I mean, t- thinking about Norway, I mean, being two points behind Spain, if Spain win that match against Scotland and Norway lose to Cyprus, which probably won't happen. Then no, Cyprus pretty- has got zero points. They've got yeah. two goals for 17 against. I, I'm going to go ahead and give Norway those three points. So, Absolutely. Yeah, so it, it's just going to come down to if Scotland can beat Spain, then Norway has that chance to steal second. I mean, I do not see that happening, but it could it so it could happen. By this by this time tomorrow, I could be texting you saying Holland has a chance to be in the Euros, actually, if they can keep on winning. But that's if Scotland can beat Spain. And I just the way Spain have been playing recently, I just don't know if that's possible. Sure, Scotland have not lost a single match in Euro qualifying, but come on, man, this is Scotland and Spain. I mean, we all know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, Spain historically has got a leg up on Scotland. And right now, they, they sure, they're younger, uh younger team, but they're just more talented than Scotland. I mean, Scotland's been relying on Scott Matomini to win them games. So, I, I just, I don't see... 
I don't see Scotland beating Spain, but I do see Cyprus definitely getting their behinds kicked. So it'll just all come down to 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 tomorrow. If if Scotland can pull it off, then Norway has a shot. If not, I just feel like Spain's going to be too far up. Okay, another big one that we talked about was the fact that France is playing the Netherlands now. Greece is sitting level on points with Netherlands. They have a uh, Netherlands has a, has a match in hand, so they have yeah. they played four. But there there's some real pressure here for the Netherlands to France is obviously undefeated. They have five wins, no draws, no losses, uh, no yeah. goals, no goals allowed. France is all ha, has a has a complete clean sheet through the entire qualification. Yeah. Yeah. So Netherlands Sorry. really need to you know tighten up here because Greece is sitting, like I said, level on points with them, and. Yeah. As if you were to look at it right now from a goal differential, four matches obviously versus five, Greece has a plus two goal differential. So it, it, it really, the France-Netherlands match is not very important for France at all, but it really no. is important for the Netherlands. And Greece play yep. Ireland, I believe, next. So, um, yeah, Ireland. Yeah, correct. So to, where, uh, what your, what, how do you, how, what do you, how do you see this playing out? I, I just I don't see France just letting Netherlands run all over them, and not to mention it's it's going to be playing it's going to be played. Uh, it's on it's in Netherlands it's it's at home for the Netherlands, yes, so they yes. do have that. It's in Amsterdam, Johan Cruyff Arena, so they do have that. But sometimes, man, fans can't win you games, dude. You, they're going to have to play their hearts out to uh, to be able to beat France, who haven't even allowed a single goal this campaign. I mean, I. Netherlands is going to need Virgil van Dijk to, to, to turn back that clock and go back to about 2020, 2019 and be that brick wall he was when he uh, came to Liverpool because otherwise they're going to be in trouble. I mean, they do have a game up and Greece is Greece could do what Greece do and, and lose some matches, but they win against Ireland, which most likely they will. Then you're talking about a must win for that for Netherlands to stay up because me and you both know, and I know I've already said this, if you're listening to this, you know the Netherlands need to be in Euros. If the Netherlands don't make Euros, they will fire. Uh, gosh, what's his name? They gave This is the guy that they gave Barcelona. Uh, he was managing Barcelona for a second, and the, nobody wanted to play for him. Why am I forgetting his name? Um, oh, the, anyway, the Netherlands manager? Yeah, yeah, the the blonde. Uh, well, I say that doesn't narrow it down much, but um, oh yeah, it's, um, yeah, he man, it's uh, Ronald Koeman. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. So he he will he will lose his job if he does. I'm telling you, he will be he'll be coaching PSV here in a year if he doesn't uh, uh, get get some wins here. Um, I, I just I don't know if I see them beating France. I just I hate to do it. I mean, even the the books have France still a favorite away from home. And uh, yeah, man, Greece. If Greece can somehow sneak into the Euros, I would be shocked. Netherlands know they got to clamp down, and because of this, they have been playing better. They won their last two. Actually, they beat Greece three nothing, and the Netherlands two to one. But they, I don't see them uh, faltering. This man, I, uh, I see them possibly losing to France, and then they will wipe the rest of the board out and most likely qualify. Just being because Greece will lose against Netherlands and France if they do play again. Yeah, this is his second stint with the Netherlands. He, he yeah, he took uh he took the Barcelona job after the um, twenty twenty season. 
So yeah, excuse me, Jared. not twenty the twenty twenty uh calendar year. He took the uh the Barcelona job and he lasted all of one season there. And then in twenty twenty three, this year he he uh took the Netherlands back over as their manager. So this is his second stint there and yeah. uh for him. He was also manager, you know, obviously in the Premier League, he's got uh Everton on his resume as well as Southampton. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the other, th- there's one last team to talk about, and they keep doing this. Uh, now they're the defending European champions, but they are in danger of missing the event altogether. This would not be the first time in the last ten years that they've missed the event. It's also their they haven't qualified for a World Cup in since 2014, and that is Italy. Italy are level on points with North Macedonia and the Ukraine. They do have a match in hand, but they still have to play Ukraine head-to-head. They have to play England still. England is in no danger of anything, really. I mean, they've drawn one and won four. Uh, yeah. So Italy and Ukraine, what are you, what are your, uh, who, who do you have coming out of that in terms of uh, yeah. who, who, gets, who gets the second place to advance? Italy has uh, Italy has a game in hand, also like Netherlands. I I'm pretty sure it's because of the the na- they did the Nations League uh, final, so that's why these teams have that one game up. But I just it, if Ukraine can continue beating teams like Macedonia and Malta, I mean they just keep cruising. They could have a chance, but Italy and Ukraine end up meeting at the end here, and that match could mean could be for you know all the marbles, as they say. You're talking about Italy has Malta, England, North Macedonia, and then uh, Ukraine. While Ukraine has uh, has only three matches left, which is Macedonia, Malta, and then Italy at the end. So I don't give Ukraine much of a shot. It's it's crazy. We talked about them being war torn, and here they are still battling for for a chance in Euros, and they they postpone teams like Israel for. Uh, for their euros while Ukraine's in a war themselves. But I mean, I just, ordered, I just ordered a Philip Coutinho Liverpool shirt from Ukraine and it got here in eight days, man. Like, I mean, Ukraine, yeah. Ukraine not only has a great football team, but they also have great postal service. Absolutely dude. Middle of a war <laughs> in eight days. So yeah, man, I, I, it's, it's coming to be a good battle. I, I honestly thought Euro qualifiers would be a little bit less, uh, uh, I guess we'll say it's not as close as they are because sometimes I've seen some of these qualifiers be where you'll have teams with 15, 16 points after three, four matches, and it's pretty much done for. This go-round, we actually got some close uh, some close competitions here and um, or close groups with Ukraine and Italy. I, I, of course, I'm going to say Italy's going to pull it out, but it's going to be it's going to be close that last match ukraine and italy november 20th could be one we're going to have to mark on that calendar right the only other i'll say i wouldn't consider them a powerhouse but you know when you see their name this far down in the table you start to scratch your head the only other bigger in recent years european side i will say that is still struggling to find their way is poland they find themselves in fourth place right now they're only two points back of the Czech of Czech, Czechia. They they now call themselves Czechia. They're the Czech Republic forever. So I'm still struggling with that. And Moldova, yeah. <laughs> Moldova is going to quietly go away or spectacularly go away. I think they're not going to yeah. last. Uh, but Poland's going to have to overcome Albania and Czechia. 
do you think the Polish can can do it? They so far they uh, they're they're two wins, three losses. Yeah. Uh, the the losses have been pretty bad too. Oh yeah, they lost to Moldova, man. I mean, I this is the one thing I was I was hoping we would touch on too because if you would have told me that Poland was in, let's say, let's see, they are actually in what place are they in? They're in fourth, right? Yeah, yeah they're in yeah, fourth. fourth place. Yeah, behind Moldova, Albania, and I mean, check the. Czechoslovakia, of course, them being up there isn't too surprising. They typically have a pretty decent domestic side, domestic league, and their team isn't isn't too bad. But to say they're below Moldova, <laughs> do you call them Czechoslovakia? Yeah, Czechoslovakia. No, no, man. they're they're split, man. Slovakia's got their own stuff going, man. Slovakia. Yeah, I meant. Yeah, I meant Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah Czech Republic. Slovakia by themselves is the second place in Group J. They're doing really fine for themselves. They don't want to have anything to do with those the Czechs. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. So yes, the 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 Czech Republic. For the first of you who don't know, it's been 30 years to the year that the Czech Republic and Slovakia split. 1993. Oh, just wow. Yeah, just a little history lesson there. Yeah, it's so crazy. I'm so old. I remember my textbook still had USSR and Czechoslovakia on it. So this yeah, or yeah, it, it's just crazy. And for those of you so, wondering, yeah. Slovakia is uh, doing fine for themselves in Group J. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Slovakia is not doing bad at all. But Moldova, I'm telling you, if Poland, Poland really, they got to tighten up. The Faroe Islands should be easy. They will probably pound Moldova at home because they were absolutely, the world was laughing at Poland for a couple days there when Moldova beat them three to two. And then you got the big match with Poland and Czech, uh, uh, in November 17th. So do I think Poland pull it out? I I don't think they, I don't know if they'll get second. I think it just depends on Albania, man. If Albania can sneak out those close wins like they normally do, then they will end up being that second or first place team because Czech Republic isn't a bad side. You know, they're not just going to lay it down for Poland to pass them up. And Poland has a hard time scoring these goals. They don't have the service in the mid midfield like like they do like like they should excuse me for for um robert to score goals i mean robert isn't getting service like he needs if if poland had a midfield like spain or or france right now then you know robert would have 15 goals this qualification round but he just doesn't have that service it's hard for them to score goals watching them verse iceland i wanted to like poke my eyes out it was just so no hold on it wasn't ice and it was Faroe islands watching them versus them i was just so bad i just they got lucky with a penalty and then they got a garbage time goal to go up to nothing but i honestly see poland missing this i i will remember this conversation this and i will go back to this i think poland won't get it i think albania beat them out wow that would be Pretty significant, seeing as uh, Poland has been, yeah, a, a regular yeah. of the Euros and the World Cup for the you know last decade plus. So, I mean, yeah, that's that would be that would be quite the surprise. So, um, okay, well, shifting over real quick, uh, we're going to go through some club football before we talk about uh, the main topic here, which is the World Cup formats, which I'm really I'm really excited to get to because you're going to have a shift from this past World Cup into the next one and then yet another one in the one after that. So, but real quick, so we just talked about Arsenal getting the uh, 
the finally getting the monkey off their back of Man City. They they pass them in the table. They're sitting level on points with Tottenham at twenty. So they co first place on points, but uh, Tottenham enjoys uh, actually goal differential is exactly the same too. So yeah, ten and ten. So uh, really, I so it's a coin flip. Whatever. There's thirty matches left to go. But anyways, Arsenal. Arsenal beats Man City is the main point here. Liverpool, uh, they they draw with Brighton, and that's your top four. Tottenham, Arsenal, Man City, and Liverpool. Then right behind them, surprise or not surprised, Aston Villa, uh, 16 points. Uh, they are level on fifth, fifth and sixth or 16 points. That's Aston Villa and Brighton. It's tight at the top. It's tight at the bottom. Uh, you got Sheffield. A one point, a massive whopping one point. Bournemouth and Burnley at three and four, and Luton Town are seventeenth with four points, and they are in seventeenth because they have a better goal differential than Burnley. Everton got a much much needed win three nil this past weekend to put themselves in sixteenth. They're now three points off of the drop zone. So, was there anything in the in the yeah. in the uh, Premier League? Uh, Chelsea's strung a couple of uh, wins together here. Man United had lost three of their previous four. Uh, they won over the on, on the weekend, but obviously not convincing. But they'll have four wins and four losses, no draws. Uh, it's 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 a it's the most inconsistent start you could possibly believe uh, when you look at how much money they spend. So, anything stand out to you from this past weekend while we're on the international break in the uh, in the prem? I mean, Luton Town out of out of relegation. That that's got to be something. Even you yourself gotta gotta recognize, man. These they have pulled themselves out of the relegation zone, and we were sitting here thinking they weren't going to win a single game. Um, I said, well, I, I said that jokingly. I think in terms of like not winning a game, well, but yeah, I, I, yeah, but I I see what you mean. It's it's really early. I still think they're going down, but it's it's. Oh. No, me too. But for them to be out of it is just to me. I just could seeing them at, at at one spot above Burnley is just. I didn't think they'd be able to string string a win together, and then of course they pull it against your favorite club, Everton. Man, I I just I couldn't believe they pulled that win out. Man, I, I it's it's kind of crazy that that's the one thing I bring up. But to see Luton Town out of relegation for for a for a little small period of time is, is big for them. I mean, goodness, we, of course we were joking, but to see them out of there is, is kind of crazy, man. They, they were, they were looking terrible. And it's good to see talking about the bottom of the table. It's good to see some of these clubs last season that made a move, obviously to get towards the top that were in the top 10, uh, that being Aston Villa, Brighton, West Ham was not in the top 10, but they won the Conference League, which then got them to, into the Europa League, and now they are solid, solidly in, in the top 10. They're, they sit at seventh place right now. The, shot, the surprising, you know, if you want to say surprising clubs right now are Newcastle in eighth, United in 10th, and Chelsea in 11th. But it's nice to see these, these clubs that are in Europe for the Premier League, and I believe all three of them, I think Aston Villa – Aston Villa is in the Conference League. I think Brighton – no, Brighton's not in Europe, are they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Aston Villa yeah. and Brighton are both in the Conference League and West Ham is in the Europa League. They're all, they're all, yeah. they're all holding up pretty well in the, ta- in the league itself. So that's nice to see that they're not just, yeah. you know, 
uh, just a one year success story. They're actually uh, looks like some some things may be being built at these clubs. Absolutely, yeah. Even though Brighton aren't doing very well in Europa right now, they're they're sitting at one point, but they they to see them up. And in the place they're in now is is definitely a good thing to see, man. This is the kind of stuff you want to see in a league. I mean, this is all I ask for out of Germany and France. And of course, we will get to Germany, but they're they're actually coming through with some things I'm asking for. But in England, we actually have someone other than City sitting at the top. And I mean, it's just good. I I, I made the prediction preseason that Liverpool would be the team fighting City, and it just looks like. We got a handful of teams who are out to get City, man, and it's it's very exciting stuff, man. Seeing seeing these teams up top and seeing City just trying to fight for these wins is is great. I, I, this is all you can ask for as a football. Yeah, fan. Declan Rice leaves West Ham, and the one constant that they still have is Michael Antonio. You know, he's 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 still a speed demon uh, down the pitch. He's yeah. he's terrifying in the uh, final third. He can he can score a goal yeah. on you when you least expect it. I mean, the guy. It's nice yeah. to see they lose. Obviously, their captain and best player, and they seem to have risen to the occasion. They've actually exceeded, I think, expectations so far within the league this season. Yeah, absolutely, man. And he's yeah, he's still getting his call ups for Jamaica. Also, I mean, we'll we'll be seeing Jamaica play uh, this international break in the Nations League, which is exciting for. I love I mean, watching. How many, how many players so, did yeah. Brighton lose in the transfer market? I mean, oh god! How many, if you look back in the past three years, dude, they—I mean—they're a complete. Matoma might be one of the dunk Matoma. I mean, there's only a couple guys who still stand. They—they they just have a rotation of these players that they can get from Ecuador or wherever. They come in and just fill that spot, man. It's—it's it's just their their. Uh, their scouting team is freaking world class, dude. If you want a scouting team or to follow some club's scouting, look at Brighton. I mean, think about it. They just in Chelsea alone, they sold over Caicedo and uh, and um, what's his name, the Spanish, the the right back. Uh, they sold the year before for for sixty mil. I mean, you're looking at almost two hundred million just to one club. And then, and so then I mean, Cook- to Liverpool. Exactly. I was going to say, look at McAllister, who came from Argentina Juniors, who I was watching in the Argentinian League, looking at him saying to myself, this guy could be playing for freaking City. And of course, he goes to Brighton, shows that he can play, and then Liverpool buy him for a substantial amount, while Brighton pay $10 million for a guy. You know, it's just, it's great business. They do great with it. If teams like BVB or some Leverkusen or somebody could follow, then they would be doing what Brighton are doing, which is playing in Europe and being in the top, you know, top third of the league all year round. Yeah, I mean, you just can't ask for more, man. I, I, I like yeah. it. I mean, I remember, I remember Brighton in championship. I mean, I remember seeing them come up, and I mean, it was just great. I, I've always liked Brighton. Seeing them come up, I think it was 2017, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. I think that's right, yeah. In the eight. Yeah, and I mean, I just was ecstatic because they were they were just so fun to watch, and here they are, still staying up top and actually being disgusted. Yeah, don't forget about the German super god Pascal Gross. Gross, yeah, Gross, dude, he's another mainstay. I mean, they, it's funny they keep these core of guys, four, five, six guys, and the people around them. You can just interchange, change the flag, change the name, and they still produce. 
they score three, four goals. They'll, they'll, their defense is a little shaky at times, but they'll score more than you more times than none. And then they end up in the, in the top half of the league, top half of the table. They won, I mean, I mean they won three nil at uh, Old Trafford earlier this year. I mean, that's one, yeah. One yeah but, exactly. you know, Pascal Gross is kind of like one of those guys like James Ward Prowse that he just like, he, yeah. he was, yeah. he's at the club forever. He becomes yeah. synonymous with them and, Whereas James Ward Prowse was obviously a set piece icon for Southampton, you have Pascal Gross came from Germany, goes to Brighton. He's probably reached his ceiling in terms of where he's going to go interna- as far as his international career club wise. But then he, but then yeah. due to his play at Brighton, he gets called up to the German national team. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's been a yeah. great opportunity for him. Whereas, you know, he could go somewhere. Uh, you know, to a bigger club, like, like a, like a, uh, you know, say if he was, if, if Byron were to buy him, for example, he would just be a bench guy. He would be a guy that, that gives them depth, okay. but instead he goes to Brighton. And I think this is so great. You know, you have like a guy, James Milner. I know Adam Lalana did the same thing when they left. They both, they, they, they go to Brighton, right. And they, they continue their career. Yeah. It's, it's so nice to see that kind of success as opposed to just going to MLS and, 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 and taking the money and going to a, a yeah. joke of a league and, and, and getting the, getting the payday, you still keep your legacy. You're still yeah. playing at a high level in the best league in the world. And yeah. while you might not be in a, in a perennial top six powerhouse club, you're helping one of these, I mean, Brighton by size standards is a minnow. I mean, they're, they're, they're nothing, but you're, you're part of this, Pro, this Brighton project that is, you know, seeing them come from from the from the nothing to a, 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 te- a team that qualified for Europe. You know, I mean that that's that's something to say about them. That's massive, dude, big time, man. I agree. And and if I if I had a, a club that you know needed to follow someone's way, I would say Brighton is the way to go. I mean, just just like you said, man. Look at how small they are. And to have them at the top of the best league, arguably, well, I would say best league, and then in Europe is just amazing, man. I mean, if you're a supporter for Brighton, you've just got to be ecstatic. I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I just mentioned them before. Speaking of Bayern, let's jump to Germany real quick. Uh, you know, no 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 change in the table, man. Seven seven matches have been played. Leverkusen still still sits atop the Bundesliga with 19 points. The yeah. surprise of Europe, I don't care what anybody says, the biggest surprise in any league in Europe, whether it's Moldova's league, I don't even know if they have one, whether it's the Greek Super League, the Turkish Super League, what doesn't matter what league of superness you're talking about. VfB Stuttgart, they are in second place, one point off the top. Now, is it going to last? No, it's not. They're not going to finish in the top four. It would be so nice to see Stuttgart in the Champions League. And they're one of those clubs, unfortunately, that if they – got to the Champions League, they would focus on that and they would get relegated. They would be a club that gets relegated next season, but yet plays in the Champions League all in the same year because they, because yeah. it would be too too much growth too quickly. But right now, if, yeah. if they were to even get into the Europa League, it would be a massive uh, uh, accomplishment because so many people predicted them to finish in the, in the, in the, somewhere in the bottom five. They are yeah. scoring goals at will. Jirasi is like, He's scoring hat tricks. He's, yeah, I mean, he, the 22 goals for that puts them one goal behind Leverkusen and Bayern for the most scored in the Bundesliga. So it's not a fluke, right? So seven match days is a good sample size. Here they are. They're ahead of Bayern. They're ahead of Dortmund by one point. I mean, they'll just go to Wolfsburg. They are, they play Wolfsburg last week. Take care of business three to one. 
the yeah. really, I mean, you know, Leverkusen beat Cologne three nil. Bayern beat Freiburg three nil. A little surprising there that Freiburg didn't put up more of a a, a fight. Leipzig yeah. and Bochum nil nil. That's a surprise. Leipzig should have you know absolutely taken that. But the big one was uh, obviously Dortmund and Union Berlin. If Berlin was going to make any kind of push at all this season, you know, after a pretty good start the first couple of weeks, they've really fallen back. And now they find themselves in 13th place. They really needed to win. They've lost five straight after a, uh, two two wins back-to-back to start the season. They've now won, lost five straight. Union Berlin loses to Dortmund 4-2. to two. That was that was the match. Yeah. I said, okay, well now you have to worry about not because they're not an established enough side to say we can't yeah. get relegated. You can get relegated, so now that's what they have to worry about. So they're they're in the Champions League, but they're also having to focus yeah, on the they- fact that they need to stay competitive in the Bundesliga to stay up. So I mean, where do you where do you think yeah. things have gone wrong for them? I think they just it, it was it was maybe too much too soon. Yeah, I just I think so, man. I mean, they couldn't even beat Braga in Champions League. Went up and then absolutely crumbled at the end, man, and and blew that match. I mean, I'm talking about. I actually it was a 12:45 match for me, so I got to watch it. And they actually went up two to one, and then boy, did they just fall apart. Braga made some good subs and felt they they just got destroyed. Two to three, losing at home. Just what a deflating loss. I. It might be it might be that little club getting too much syndrome, man. I mean, uh, just Bruma he he just scored a, a beautiful goal to go up to. It was it was it was funny. He blew a big uh, he blew a big bubble with gum at the end. It was a celebration. I was laughing at, but yeah, Union Berlin fans they were not very happy. But yeah, they, they're looking terrible. I mean, just to see. No points in Champions League and sitting at, I think, what, 14th? No, 13th. 13th, in the Bund- yeah. 13th in the Bundesliga with six points. I mean, you're talking about two points off the playoff relegation uh, series with the, the second-tier team. I mean, it's just, yeah, man. I, you have to say it's just too much, too quick. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't they uh, – who did they – they sold um, – they sold somebody. Who do they sell? Uh... Oh no, they just signed um, Benucci. Yeah, yeah. Benucci, I wanted yeah, to say, yeah. I, uh, yeah, they they got him on the squad to try to help that defense, and it's just. I mean, I know he's old, but it's just not helping, man. They uh, they they look like they're in trouble. Where is I it? I mean, already. Do, it's kind of funny. What do you focus on? Do you try to get points in Champions League, or do you try to do better in domestic? Because you got to. It's almost like you got to take, you got to pick. So here's, man, here's the thing point. that they need to do in order. They would be devastating for them to, to to drop. So they need to focus on domestic stuff right now. They need to they need to figure out the league. They need to they need to focus on the league. You, you tried it in the Champions yeah. League. I know it's a really great story, and I think it's 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 very heartwarming. But you're zero for two. You haven't uh, gotten any points. You're not gonna you're not gonna get in the top two. You're not gonna get the knockout stage. Is it really worth trying to finish third? to get to the Europa League, which is where they were last year, just to continue. I mean, that yeah. would be nice too, but you, you have to – Union Berlin is like – this is what I'm talking about with Fabio Stuttgart. If they are able to somehow, by the skin of their teeth, finish in the top four, yeah, they, they you have to then invest as a club that is 
has they've 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 been relegated at least twice in the past ten years. That yeah, they used to be a perennial. Yeah. They used to be a perennial power in Germany. They've you know if you look at you know oh, they're wow. they're you know three time German champions as recently as two thousand seven, and then things started to decline. But in the last ten years, they've 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 made the drop twice. And before they made the drop the first time in twenty fourteen fifteen, I believe it was, they were flirting with it for a couple of seasons. So the. You know, Stuttgart gets in the top four. Now you have to invest to compete in the Champions League. So now you have you have obviously the German Cup, you have the Bundesliga, and you have the Champions League. What do you do? The main the main yeah. focus for a club like that is to make sure that you build should be to stay up. Right, you have to sustain. You want sustainability in the in in the league, and and you can't. So, yeah, absolutely. So, if Union had had gotten a win and a draw, and they were sitting on four points in the Champions League, then maybe you make it an argument, right? But like, you're over two. Just focus on getting getting better in the league. That's what you have to do. That would be, and that yeah, would be something that if, if Stuttgart were in the same position next season, yeah, you would see Falafel Stuttgart. You see them in a, in, a, in a group stage in the Champions League, and if this is like 15 years ago, that's not a big surprise. But now it would be a huge accomplishment. They're way ahead of schedule, if you even want to call them on a schedule. I don't think that anyone – I'm sure it's their goal to get in the Champions League is like a dream scenario, but it's not like – it's – Dude, we were, just, we were just talking trash about them playing – or t- talking trash about them being in the playoff with right, Hamburg. season, right. Here they are. Yeah, here they are in second place, dude. It's freaking mind-blowing. I, I agree with you, man. I if I was Union Berlin, I would say domestic. You got to fight to stay up because the fight for them to get back up was crazy. So to go back down and lose all of that would just be so bad. I mean, you you know that 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 second tier German. Uh, we talk about it a lot because you know I follow the second and even third in the tier. Entire world. Oh, man, it is hard. You get you can get stuck down there for a decades and not know what hit you. I mean, look at Hamburg. Hell, they were up forever. Now they can't get out to save their life. Well, man. you've got, so you've got I, Kaiser Slaughter and you've got Karlsruhe. You've got Nuremberg down there. You've got St. Pauli. Yes, yeah, you you remember. I don't see it's crazy. To me, those teams have always been second, third tier teams to me. For you, following them for as yeah, long yeah. as you have, those used to be the old powerhouses, man. I didn't know that. So when I met you and you telling me these history, like telling me about Kausterslaus and who I have a jersey for, and I had no idea they were a freaking powerhouse. They, yeah, yeah. Kaiser were powerhouse up until uh, they they went from first to uh, from worst to first um, in 1998. Yeah, they came crazy. up from the second tier, won the Bundesliga in 1998. They're three time German champions. They won. Oh they won gosh. two Bundesliga titles in the 90s. They won in 1991 and 1998, and now they're they're Gee. just uh you know. Dude, I will say, I'm, I'll tell you. I mean, I, they're in the top of the second tier right now, looking good. So they're they're fighting to get back up. But it's been a hell of a damn yeah, so, journey. So because- history lesson on them, real quick. The last time they were this close was 2014-15. The team that was the same season yeah. that uh, Ingolstadt and Darmstadt got promoted, and Kaiser Storm yeah. At the very end, finished in fourth place, so they did not get into the relegation playoff. And as soon as they failed to get promoted that season, they almost immediately dropped to the third tier. And then they were in the third yeah, tier dude. for a couple of seasons. They were actually in danger, believe it or not, of getting uh, relegated into the fourth tier, which I think puts them at amateur yeah. status. I think that makes them yeah, the regional. It's the yeah, regional thing. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, they 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 yeah. 
had a they had a a, a complete rebuild. Um, God, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean it, it it would warm my heart to see them back in the top tier, but we'll, we'll see. They're, well, they're fighting. I'll say, man, they are. They're looking good. I've actually watched. I uh, watched them the other day play a real tough game and they looked good so they they stand a chance man they're in the top three right now so we'll we'll see but that's a whole yeah Leverkusen we got Leverkusen are the real deal I mean yes yes we have we have finally found out we we talked I think two podcasts ago we were talking about uh or maybe a month or month and a half ago we were like okay let's see if they're serious and Alonzo has got them looking amazing man I mean what a story I mean, me to to t- if you would have told us this uh, two months ago that that Bayern Munich would have Harry Kane and they would not be in first place yeah, in almost it. November. No, dude, no, no one would, no one. It's uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's you know the 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 taste test has been successful so far. Let me put it like that. It's uh, a large yeah. enough sample size, as I said, seven match days. They have one draw, which is to Bayern. And they have no losses, and they have six wins. That's nineteen points. They, yeah, that's I want to say the loss, the win they had this past weekend, three 0 over Cologne, is just the type of match that they would normally lose to draw points, and that just allows Bayern a wide open door to come right back in. But they keep they keep winning the matches that they are supposed to win, and that's that's what you need to do. It's not the Bayern match. It's not the Bayern match, for example, that has screwed over yeah. a Leipzig or a Dortmund in the past. It's the it's the Mainz and it's the Augsburgs yeah. and it's those those are teams yeah. those are teams that you need to win. Bayern beats them and then you draw them, and so that's two points every single time. It's not the Bayern matches last year did not cost Dortmund the title. No, not at all. So yeah. I agree. It, 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 it's not, yeah. It's losing those smaller ones that you just say they they should normally win, and they're actually winning those this year, which is amazing. It's just something I love to see, man. We joke about it all the time. That's that's my next kit. I'm telling you, I'm gonna be buying a Leverkusen. Yeah, I'm gonna be buying a, a Leverkusen kit here real soon because they are giving us a great show. This is exactly what we asked for. So jumping over to Spain real quick. Uh, it's it's pretty tight there. Um, nine matches, yeah, nine actually, matches played, and there's five points separating first through fourth. So Atleti's in fourth, Barca's in third, Girona is in second, and Real Madrid yeah. is top of the table. But the thing is, Real Madrid played Girona a couple weeks ago and smashed them. So there's that was the oh, yeah. the, the first 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 place versus second place matchup. So obviously we're waiting on you know, some tougher matchups for Real Madrid, but, oh, but, yeah. but you know, to, to, to some of the traditional powers, let's say it like that. But like, it's, um, it's competitive in Spain for the, you know, through, through nine match days. And normally it's not. Adelaide also has a match in hand, by the way, I should mention, if they win that, they would be at 22 points, yeah. which puts them uh, level, well, second place, level on points with Girona, but ahead in goal. So um, is there any shot whatsoever? Is there any shot whatsoever that we, by Christmas, that we have someone other than Real or Barcelona in first in Spain. I don't think so. It just there's no way. I mean, Athletic maybe, but then again, I mean, you you just you can't count on them to 
to beat Madrid or beat Barca. So well, they beat, you, I thought they beat Madrid say, earlier this, this season. Yeah, they did. I tell you, okay, you, yeah, I stand corrected. They did beat Madrid, but that was at home, and I think Madrid was coming off of the Champions League match or something. Just, I mean, Madrid, Atleti is also, but I didn't pay that much attention. I I remember watching that, and it just if it always felt like Madrid didn't care. I guess we'll say it just they weren't playing. It's almost like. Carlo was just like, "Hey guys, do whatever, and and let's just get out of here." That's the way it felt for me watching that match. But I don't, I don't see, I don't know, man. Girona, they're they're gonna fall out. We all know that. They just haven't had the the tough matchups, and and I just don't think Barca or Madrid can give up. Will give up those spots, man. They're gonna, even though Barca has been drawing with some crap teams, uh, they just drew to Granada, who were just uh, second tier side. Uh, they had to come back come down uh they were down two nothing in the first half they had to come back to draw two two but i it's just yeah it's close right now it's still early would i say anyone other than barca or real are in first i don't think so i just i don't see it i just i, I can't give Yorona enough credit man like not yet you know that's almost like uh like us with Leverkusen, even though Leverkusen's shown, I just Yorona hasn't shown me much this season yet. So far, they're just beating the crap teams and losing to Madrid and Barca. Really, you know. Well, we'll see um, what they have for for Barca later this this season. I guess I don't think they played yet, have they? No, they play uh, December twelfth or tenth. Right. So we got while that's like seven match days yeah. away so we'll it'll, it'll it'll spread out a little bit if if they're in second and barca's not past them by by that december matchup i will be shocked so going over to italy um it was kind of business as usual you had uh inter bologna drew 2-2 milan won 1-0 with both 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 clubs getting a red card that genoa and milan both got red cards Lazio took care of Atalanta, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, Atalanta's there. It seems like their little five-year honeymoon there in the top four has yeah, it's, it's kind of come to it to a, to an, to an end here. I don't. I mean, you know, and I'm not saying Lazio is obviously in the Champions League themselves right now, but yeah, Atalanta. You know, they're just not as consistent this year. I know they're on 13 points, but they're already four points out of the top four. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, we'll see. There's still a lot of time left, but I, I just kind of feel like this is the year where they fall. Yeah, they out. kind of fall out of the, I guess, the top five, if you will. So Napoli, yeah. Napoli was the other big one. They lost three one to Fiorentina. Yeah. They look like they are a. Uh, they are happy to get that first championship since uh, Maradona was there, and they might just, um, they might just be done. They might be tapping out early on, as far as uh, the the Scudetto's con- concerned. I mean, do you? What do, you, yeah. what do you think? What's going on with Napoli? I mean, I, right now they just have all this turmoil going on with Oshiman, man. It's 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 kind of it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, if if you're listening and you haven't seen, go ahead and and Google uh, Oshiman Napoli TikToks, and you'll see where they they basically call him. They tell him he looks like a coconut because of his hair, his blonde hair, and then in the match. He was screaming and crying for a penalty again to the referee, and then he goes and misses it. And Napoli does a TikTok where they basically are laughing because he missed it. So 
Go check it out if you haven't seen it. Google it. You'll see the videos. Uh, Napoli has since deleted these, but since that drama, it's like they, they did win one of their matches, and Oshman ended up scoring and giving the crowd the you know the, the finger over the mouth like like Rashford the quiet quiet down the shush mark. But it, it's like they're they they're just they've lost that form man that form they had uh, what mid season last year where they looked unstoppable. Karshkavelia, the the Georgian player, was uh, killing it last year, and then now he comes in here and just isn't isn't being uh, the same player he was. He finally woke up a little bit this weekend watching the I watched the Fiorentina match, and and they just couldn't uh, couldn't stop them from scoring, and it was kind of kind of sad to see. Oshiman scored a penalty, but they got he also had a goal called for offsides in the first half, and then they just they couldn't hold on. Well, he's he's their. Uh, I mean, he's their record signing. He's he. You know, the the, the yeah. fee is reported to be. He could be sold for a lot. He could be sold for a lot. You know, and they they decided to keep him and not sell him. And here they are ridiculing him and making fun of him. And he has come out publicly. He, I think, he unfollowed Napoli or something. You know, the whole social media deal with the drama. They'll unfollow each other. And, and apparently he was pissed at the club for what they did, which rightfully so. I mean, you shouldn't ridicule your best player for missing a penalty. I mean, yeah, Napoli deleted it, but still they did it. I mean, you could have credit it to the, to the admin or whoever, but no club should ever do that to their star player. And he was pissed, man, rightfully so. Uh, it's just – it's crazy to see them in the place they're in now with how good they looked last season. I mean, they were just a powerhouse last season, they, man. Yeah, they, they, they couldn't, couldn't run. None whatsoever. And granted, they've scored 17 and only let in nine, and three of the three of the nine were just the last match. But they're just – they just they're, – they don't look together anymore. I don't – I don't know what it is, man. It's almost like it, – it's like they just they, – they aren't playing – like they want to play with each other. When I watched that match against Fiorentina, just the gelling wasn't there. It, they they just it just wasn't there at all. And it's sad they were at home. I mean, I expected so much more from them, and Fiorentina just looked so much better. I mean, you got the likes of, of Bonaventura, who's thirty four now, come from AC Milan and Atalanta, dropping goals on Napoli in Napoli. I mean, it it just it was a bad showing by them this last go round. Really bad. Well, um, yeah, I mean, if you're a club's record signing and you, you know, obviously they they won a lot of matches on the shoulders of him, and then there's a falling yeah. out between the player and the club. That's that's a major issue going forward. So that's going to be interesting to see that how Big that time. unfolds. Uh, going, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm going to say like you know they're. They finished top four for sure, but I, they're 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 not going to sniff the uh, scudetto this season. No, no, God, no, not with Inter playing like they are and the others. Yeah, there's no way. Well, in France right now, uh, PSG got a win that gets them, uh, you know, much needed three points in terms of the title. They are sit two points back right now of Monaco, and then Nice is in second place. Uh, but your boys from uh, Lyon, they got they got a point last week, three three. They they. Yeah. And what's sad is it's a three-three draw against Lorient. So I mean, it's it, basically their competitor there in the bottom three. They really need yeah. to win this. Yeah, I mean, it's actually- it's a sample size now that something really bad is 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 wrong at Lyon. 
Yeah, could you imagine them in the second tier? No, because they I dominated mean, dude, French football it, for so long. Oh my gosh, yeah, man, Benzema. Oh my goodness, dude. I, I'm telling you, I it, it you know being a fan of all the leagues in South America, I got to see teams like Cruzario and Gremio all get relegated to the second tier, and you're talking about they were teams like Liverpool City. Uh, Leon, PSG, all the, the those two Brazilian sides, I got to see them get relegated, and it was turmoil. I mean, you're talking about these clubs that were winning Copa Libertadores, living, were winning the Brazil League, all of a sudden getting relegated. I mean, that would be the same thing. To see Leon get relegated would just be mind blowing. I mean, seeing Cruzeiro play in Serie B was crazy. I will never ever imagine seeing Lyon in the second tier of French football. I mean, I just, I couldn't see it. Now, granted, Grimio and Cruzario are both back up in the top tier, so I would imagine Lyon could do the same thing, but you just never know in these European sides, these European domestic leagues. I mean, the German one being the hardest, I think. I, I French, the French second tier is something I closely follow also, and you remember teams like Bordeaux, they're good. They they have a they're historic and they're still stuck in the second tier now for the second or third season. Saint Etne, they were also a, a a Champions League team not 4 or 5 years ago and they are sitting in the second tier. So to see Lyon go to the second tier would just be just terrible cuz you mess around and go go to the bottom the second tier in Europe, you can stay. It is hard to get out of those those leagues, man. I mean, just absolutely. Yeah, Leon, brutal. Could, Leon has absolutely. obviously the pedigree to get back up, but it's it's still a kick in the groin that really it, it, it hurts, and that pain doesn't go away very quickly. It's it's. I mean, you can ask Schalke. Schalke oh. is, is is a prime example of exactly what that looks like when you're this this you know Forbes top twenty five most valuable club in the world. They were on that list for for many years. They finished second in the Bundesliga in the last five years. They finished second, and now they have been relegated twice in that same amount of, in that same yeah. amount of time. And 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 now they they have they've already sacked their manager this year. And I know I'm going back to Germany here, but that's a that's an example. That's what Leon can be looking at is because Schalke Absolutely. is they're they're they're. they're Right now, if the season would end, Schalke would play the third tier uh, playoff uh, second second place team to to battle for relegation or promotion. Like Schalke would literally be fighting with the third tier. It, it's just, it, so you just don't want to even entertain the thought of yeah. of, of dropping no. down because it, it, if you get stuck, it, it no. is um, it could yeah be- it can be really bad. So, but right yeah, now in in, in, um, in France, it is interesting because you have some teams like Monaco, Nice, PSG, and Brest that are all basically they're they're separated by a mere two points. And then you have Lyon, who would normally yeah. you would say, hey, you know, if you had to name the top four in the French league, you would say Lyon's in that top four, and here they are in the bottom two. It's just yeah. you know, it, it's really yeah. the most incredible fall from grace that we've seen in French football in, in, in a long time. Oh, absolutely. Dude, if we see them get relegated, that's something that I will always remember. I mean, I remember when Hamburg got relegated. It's, it'll be the same thing. I, I'll never forget Leon getting relegated. If, if they do, I mean, it's still, yeah, it's still October, but you're talking about one point above last place, Claremont. 
and and they and it's not looking good. And you got Lacazette starting for you. I mean, to to draw three three, man, they they should have you. They needed to hold on. They they really needed that win. Yeah, really bad. I agree. We'll we'll have to see what what if they can get re-energize after the international break or do something, but they need, they, they have to turn it on at some point because right now it's seven points is the relegation spot. That's 16th place. They are four points behind that right now. You can't afford to fall six, seven, eight points behind, or you're going to be chasing all year. And, you know, Schalke had a really good second half of the season last year, but the first half was so bad. They just never could get their footing. Uh, they couldn't get. They couldn't get. Yeah. They couldn't get get quite back up to 16th, which would have gotten them in the playoff. And yeah, I mean, you don't you don't want to risk that. You just you just don't. Um, no. But Not- moving on to uh, World Cup formats, you're talking about uh, 2030. Well, so interestingly enough, I think that the the 2026 World Cup has the, the potential to be one of the most entertaining World Cups in history, if not the most entertaining, because they expand to 48 teams. And it goes to twelve. Uh, sorry, twelve groups of four teams each. If you remember, they considered yeah. three teams in each group, and after careful consideration, they decided that it was going to be four teams in twelve groups. And then you're going to add an extra knockout stage, which will be the group of thirty-two. So the winner of the World Cup in 2026. Will have to play eight matches, which so eight matches for the first time in history. But oh yeah, tell us about the twenty thirty. Tell us, uh, so twenty thirty, you said has an even bigger stipulation to it in terms of direct qualifications. It's the centennial, you said the centennial, and uh, so yes. so what what does that look like? And and you said out of the forty eight, there's already there's going to be six automatic qualifiers. Yeah, so what they're doing is is they're going to end up playing three like opening matches in it's Argentina, Argentina, Paraguay, and I want to say Uruguay. I'm going to pull it up just to double check, but what they're doing is is six teams are going to auto six nations are going to automatically qualify. And because of this change, because the 100th um excuse me, the what's it Centennial, called? Centennial, yeah. the since they're doing that, that they're they're gonna add the three opening matches in South America, um, and which I'm pulling it up now. It's Uruguay, Argentina, Paraguay, and then automatically you have Morocco, uh, Spain, and Portugal are gonna be the Europe side. So they're gonna play opening matches in South America, and then they're gonna be playing the majority of the matches out in Europe. So you're going to have two different continents participating in this massive world cup hundredth year. Um, uh, let's call celebration matches, whatnot in the opening matches. And, uh, it's been, um, it's been talked about, man. I know it's, uh, I know it's a far, yeah. far away, but I mean, this big, you're talking about six teams automatically qualifying and then, this automatically gives the 2034 bid to an Asian or Oceanic side. So we're going to see it in Australia or uh, Korea or Japan for the 2034. But 2030, you're looking at two different continents and you're looking at six automatically qualifying nations, meaning the qualifying will be cut down a big bit with Argentina not needing to worry to qualify. 
Uruguay not needing to qualify or Paraguay also with uh, Morocco, Spain and Portugal. That's big too, because those are big, big nations and qualification, man. Those are teams I like to see battle it out. So I'll be missing them. In so, those then, so, so Spain and Portugal takes two that would normally qualify from Europe and Morocco is going to take one that would normally qualify from Africa. So then you have, um, yeah. do those, do those, so that so then that those do those continents then get the, they will get the same amount of qualifications as that's basically you're taking two what uh, two bids that would normally be open and just taking them away outright is that is that what you're understanding? Yeah. Uh, as far as I understand, yeah, like I I get what you're saying. Like you automat well, you know what? That's a good that's a good question, man. Because like like what you're saying is is does that automatically take out of the total twelve well, per exactly. se? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Could, yeah, great, dude. Good, good. You know what, man? I I should know this. So That's like, a good if question. Europe gets fourteen uh, and Spain and Portugal are automatically there, does that mean they now get twelve? I I'm not sure about that. I would have to look. But that's actually a really good question. That's a good good question because if so, you got smaller teams like you know uh, Albania right. or somebody who could sneak in to the tournament and actually have a chance at a World Cup. I mean, gosh. You would hate to see somebody like Haiti or Jamaica or, you know, you'd hate to see a stupid CONCACAF side sneak in. But, yeah, uh, that that's actually a really good question. Does that take away from European qualifying teams? Like, does that take out of their 12 or 14 think, that can yeah, qualify? That's, that's something to, to consider. I think I don't think you have to worry about Haiti. I think Haiti's, Haiti is uh, 90, 95% run by, by gangs and uh, – yeah, it's, it's the poorest country in in, in the world. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, they they have bigger fish to fry than their football federation. But um, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Like if you had like, you know, uh, if Europe had to give up a spot, for example, to like Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, exactly. That would be terrible. Yeah, yeah, Haiti. We won't be seeing them in, in a World Cup anytime soon. No, probably, probably not. So 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 it's two. So the twenty. 30 World Cup is going to be played on. There's going to be two different continents as hosts. Yeah. No, well, yeah. So they're just playing matches. The opening matches are being played in South America, is what I'm reading. So because it's the 100th year, they want to kick off where it started in South America. That's where they're kicking off. And then the group, all the matches will be played in Europe, is what I'm reading. It says the, um, the kickoff will be in South America, and then all the matches will be played in the three continents in Europe and Africa, in Morocco, Have Spain, and Have we determined the host country yet? Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, they're doing the same thing they're doing with, uh, with us in 2026. They're doing the three countries. Spain, Portugal, and Morocco are considered hosts. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it, I'm telling you, when they announced this, it was an uproar, man. I mean, you had, uh, people were, were like, what? This makes no sense. So host countries are Morocco, Portugal, Spain, and commemorative match host. That's what they're calling them is Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay. It's from the 8th of June to July, 21st of July. It's 48 from six different confederations. And the, um, the venues will, of course, be selected later. And, um, the uh, the teams, of course, will have to go through the qualifications. But it says, to, so 
so the total yeah so it's spain portugal morocco are the host they're not giving me the total from each federation that do get to qualify but that's something we're gonna have to look into man i mean we of course we have plenty of time but it's a good question because there's those two countries from europe and africa do two two spots for europe get taken that's a that's a great question yeah, but here's the other thing too. So like if you look at the 2026 World Cup with um yeah. Canada, Mexico. By the way, USA. Morocco finished uh with the six with the second most votes uh for this next coming World Cup. So Canada, Mexico, and United States got 134 round one votes and Morocco got 65. So it was obviously it was it oh, was wow. um makes sense for them to be the next in line to, to, to get it. Yeah. But l- listen to this here. So yeah. the host cities in Canada, so, so Canada and uh, Mexico are considered co-hosts, but listen to this. Okay. Canada has two cities. That's it. Two cities, Toronto and Vancouver that are going to be host sites. Mexico has yeah. three, a whopping three. They have Guadalajara, Monterey and Mexico city. Now listen to this. Yeah. United States, New York, New Jersey, Dallas, Kansas City, Houston, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, and Miami. So there's there's 12 cities that are hosting a match in the United States, three in Mexico, and two in Canada. I mean, it's almost like the U.S. is really the actual host. Oh, big time. Yeah, it's it, it makes you question why did they even include Mexico and Canada? It's like your little brother that your mom tells you you have to take to freaking the store with you. Like, why even include them if you're only going to give them three cities to play a little bit of, you know, small bit of matches when you got, what, eight cities in the United States that it's being played at as opposed to the three for the other countries? I just, it's almost, it, to me, it's... Let's just include Canada and Mexico for the heck of it and try to maximize our our gain money-wise and, and get as many of these people in North of, in CONCACAF to watch this as we can. I mean, me and you being from the Americas know when World Cup comes here, it's big. Of course, it fades because we have, you know, American football, NBA, whatever. But our country that year is going to be overtaken by football. And, man, I just – I can't wait, but why they included Canada and Mexico, I have the slightest idea, dude. I don't know why they did that. Well, it looks like also um, it's not it's not it's not the final decision hasn't been made, but it looks like the United States is going to get the final. So it's either it's, it seems like uh, Dallas right now is being considered New York yeah, and L.A. This was as recent as September the twenty eighth, but FIFA hasn't made no decision yet. But it looks like it's either going to be Dallas, New York, or Los Angeles. Yeah, because I, I couldn't see Toronto, no. Maybe Mexico City, you could fight that one. I know Monterey's stadium's beautiful. It's I, I'm pretty sure that's the one I mean, that's Mexico City's uh, located in. Oh, it's it's massive. Yeah. But they, you and, know and that they weren't gonna consider of, they weren't gonna consider Canada or Mexico for the final match. Oh, that you just can't. And that, yeah, I mean no it's way. it's sad because Mexico's got more, you know, football tradition than Canada and the United States combined, oh, but it's like, it, it, you know, yeah. um, there is obviously they were going to go with the, with the biggest media markets and that's probably New York or LA. 
I would think you got to think LA or New York. I mean, if they were to put it in Dallas, I'd be shocked. Yeah, I, I'll go ahead and say it here. I, I would see LA or New York big time. I'm going to think, I think they'll do it in LA, to be honest with you. Just West Coast, you know, they'll big, big city, New York. Yeah, I could see MetLife. Absolutely. It's definitely going to come down to the two. It's just, but yeah, here's the thing that's what I'm getting know. with this is. That that seems to me would be a similar if Spain, Morocco, and Portugal are hosts, then obviously you know that the final is either going to be in Barcelona or Madrid. There's no damn way that you're going to have yeah. a final in Casablanca or Lisbon. It's going to no. be it's going to be either in Barcelona. It's either going to be at the Camp Nou or it's going to be one of the two Madrid stadiums. The Bernabeu, yeah. you know, like no, like I-, I mean, probably. The, the Bernabeu or, or the, the Camp Nou is going to get the final. It's just not even probably going to be considered. So it's like you're, 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 you're Canada, Mexico, Morocco, Portugal. Yeah, you're co-hosting, but like to what extent? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, they're like I said, man. It's like that little brother that mom mom wants you to take to the store because he's gonna cry if you don't take him. You just you had to bring along Canada, and Mexico. Well, the, you, well they were gonna they funny. were considering hosting. Uh, they were consider bidding individually, and then they, they when they made the bid in 2017, that or they got the they they what are they, they were FIFA gave them the the hosting privileges, if you will. Uh, they yeah. went in as a trio because I felt like I felt like they yeah. thought as a trio they could definitely get it because they're you know of of the their yeah. strength in numbers in that aspect. So I wonder if this is going to become the norm. Yeah, I mean it looks like it because well because of how it's gone with where they've been uh, recently, uh, like I said, Asia or Oceanic they get the next one in twenty thirty four. So I don't know, like if if Australia gets it, that's just one nation. But if someone in maybe I, I've seen somewhere that in Asia there could be joint countries bidding, like we see with the thirty, the twenty thirty, and the twenty twenty six location. You could so, have a human yeah, we, rights violation World Cup. You could have uh, China, North Korea, and you know, and then and that's it. You yeah, could do that yeah. one, or you could have, you could actually, if you wanted you to give. Could, Throw Russia a bone, you could give some, some what, some Eastern, because I know you know Eastern Russia got very little love in the 2018 World Cup because it's sparsely populated. But you could give like you know try and find yeah. some uh, some rundown stadiums in Eastern Russia, and, and uh, 2034 yeah. can be the uh, human rights violation World Cup. Yeah, North Korea, China, the, the final, and Russia. I mean, yeah. the, there was there was the, the final can be in Pyongyang because there was something about I heard. Rick Flair telling a story once about he wrestled Antonio Inoki and it was like mandatory for every North Korean basically with a pulse to go to that match. And he said they, they packed in oh, like wow. 160,000 people into the stadium. So whatever stadium is oh. in Pyongyang has got to be massive. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. That's like two of, of, of freaking Michigan Ann Arbor stadiums, dude. Could you imagine that? Yeah, can you imagine? Is. Can you imagine oh. if Kim Kim Jong Un like every time the like he would make like it would be a mandatory applause for like a goal, like like he would tell he would tell the people he would tell the people to clap. He's like, oh look, and and, and that's how North Korea would qualify for their World Cup. Yeah, and that would be their first World Cup. Oh my god! Yeah, they'll get, and see what happens is though if they lose, they'll lose twelve nil in the first match to like Brazil. And then all, and then all oh the the entire team will get thrown into a labor camp. 
Yeah, they get they disappear. No more North Korea team do that. And you know what's funny is I I've seen North Korea play in qualifying matches. Matter of fact, we got uh, Asian World Cup qualifying players matches just randomly disappear. They just they just they just in, in yeah, the midst I've seen Korea North Korea's team and they get plummeled by Iran and China and Japan. So could you imagine North Korea playing Brazil? Oh my God, dude! You'd never see those players yeah, again. You would, like, would one, be in- one minute, you know, uh, Jong Hoo Ko is like scoring a, a a goal against like uh, some oceanic country, and then you know you have like the the B team Brazilians rest their players in the very first match, and then win twelve nil, and then yeah. the entire team is basically registered for labor camp the next day. Yeah, gone. yeah, there's a this whole is- new twenty three players for the second match. And then and then they get plummeled by someone like you know uh, Poland or yeah, somebody I, like that. Yeah, they yeah. Would I think say- the human rights violators should like unite and make a a, a, a joint bid too, just like the uh, uh, the Americans <laughs> and the Mexicans and the Canadians did. Just <laughs> like China, China and Korea, North Korea would like bid. If if Qatar can win it, you never know, man. I mean, a, a, as you know, they they won it on some some slimy, scammy stuff well, you too. Can't so let, you can't you, let you know, Korea qualify for a World Cup because they do. The entire team will defect. Like they'll just that team may they take yeah. because they 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 would be hosted somewhere else. They're not coming back to North Korea. I can tell you that's twenty three people that are going to be on the missing list. Absolutely, dude. They will never. Show back. That flight back to North Korea, the yeah, private pl- whatever plane they'd be, well, they'd be like a nineteen sixty five Russian uh, uh, jet plane that you know because they you know, yeah because they, they don't they're they're still in like the sixties in some technologies because all they do is want to they just want to build nukes so um it's, big time <laughs> but anyways yeah man that, yeah. I mean I, I guess it would be yeah three. three countries in Asia if they bid for twenty thirty four would definitely be the way to go. So I'm just wondering if this is going to be the trend now. It's like, is, is, are we going to go to like three hosts? Cause like, and traditionally it's always been like France hosted or Germany hosted it or Brazil hosted yeah. it or Argentina hosted it. Now yeah. it's like there's strength yeah. in numbers, but it's obvious that one country is going to get the priority in like the final or like the best matches, you know? Oh, of course. Yeah. Just like we are or just like, Spain will in the next one. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the Oceanic one. I mean, I would love to see Japan or Korea or somebody do a joint one. But, man, who knows? I, I feel like Australia will get it just because it's been a while. But you you never know with FIFA, man. You, you They could change rules tomorrow and, and you could have some crazy, you know, seven-continent World Cup for 2034. Who knows? That is true. Well, hey, um, we uh, we have we've covered everything. Is there anything, any match or anything that you're looking forward to before we go to the next episode this coming weekend? Is there something that 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 you wanted to close with? Or is there some match that you're looking most forward to watching during the international break? Right, right now, I just, I, I kind of, my eyes are on Italy, man. I got to see the the reigning champs get back in. I, I got to see them continue on some good form. I really, uh, I mean, of course they got Malta, but I, I need to see them pull out some big wins, and uh, I really want to see them qualify for these Euros. So, 
Other than that, the England-Italy match on the 17th at 2.45, my eyes will be glued to that. It is in England. So uh, I see them win in uh, Wembley Stadium, then that, that'll be a happy day for me. I mean, they beat them in the final, so why can't they beat them in a Euro qualifying match? Well, for me, the match I am most looking forward to in this international break are the two countries where I am from slash live the most in my life, which are United States and Germany. It's a friendly. It has nothing to do with qualifying. I'm just looking to see if the Germans can, now that Hansi Flick is officially out the door, if they can build off the 2-1 win against France. And what better way to do that than the team that's ranked above them, the United States of America powerhouse that they are, Beating up on all these little Jamaicas and Bahamas and Venezuelas and shit like that. Um, (laughs) So if Germany is the real deal and they they are going to move up from there, what is it like they're ranked 15th in FIFA world ranking? That's like the lowest they've ever been. Yeah, they they will. They're they're gonna demolish. I they're gonna beat United. I don't know, man. I I, I, uh, I, what what makes you so sure about that? Because Hansi Flick's gone. They didn't want to play for him, dude. I'm telling you. Now that he's gone, Germany, I honestly feel they have a chance because you have too much talent spread throughout this planet of footballers from Germany to to not be able to compete at the highest level. They Now that they've got rid of that F flick, they should be able to, if not win the Euros, at least get to the semifinal, quarterfinals, and and lose maybe in penalties. Like I'm expecting a lot. You're talking about Germany is a historic powerhouse, man. Argentina, Germany, Brazil, France, like those are teams that you expect to be at the top of FIFA rankings, no matter what. Now that Flick's gone, the talent's there. Let's see Fulkrig sit on the bench and not even come. Let's see Werner. Let's see the guys come in. Let's see them do what they're supposed to do. I see Germany beating USA. I'm sorry. I just do. Now that Flick's gone, they're going to get it together. Sene, the boys, mustache. mustache. Everybody's going to just they're going to they're going to destroy Nabry. They're going to destroy him. I mean, Nabry has a world class mustache, so I gotta call him mustache. I I'm predicting German win. I know uh, we're uh, we we got the last two world wars over them, but they can pull off this friendly win. Um, so we'll go Germany, Germany three one. I'm gonna go two two. Two two. Okay, I like that. I can see the draw also, but I just think with Flick gone, we're gonna see a whole new German side. We're gonna see some more serious play. We're gonna see them together finally, and and and. Flick can just move on. He can go manage Darmstadt or or somebody like that. I'm sure he'll be. I'm sure he'll be. Yeah, he'll man, be I'm knocking the doors down to get to Darmstadt. Yes. Oh my goodness! All yeah. right. Well, we are so, that, we are at yeah. uh, a stopping point there for this week, and uh, yeah, we're gonna have some more content after this international break. We'll have uh, that German Germany USA match will be one of them that we'll talk about this weekend. So, Nick, any sure. final thoughts? Or you good? That's it, man. I'm loving it. I'm ready. I'm I'm gonna be getting some sleep, and I'll be up for the uh, for the games tomorrow, man. We got we got some big matches in Euros, and we got uh, some our uh, column ball matches too. Argentina play Brazil plays Venezuela tomorrow night. So yeah, I'm geared up, All man. Right. Ready, ready. We'll be seeing. You next All right. Week. Well, that yeah. will do it for uh, this episode of Beckham's Basement. We will see you from the basement this weekend. Thanks so much. Take care. <laughs>